Welcome to another episode of Sworn Testimonies, the podcast where we promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Today on the podcast, I have a great conversation with Jaquay Williams. The cop fired after his TikTok video about George Floyd's killing went viral. Stay tuned. We have a great conversation about police brutality and what he thinks about defunding the police. Just be honest. 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 Just be real. Just be true. It's the only way. Um, so you, can you tell our listeners just a little bit about um, who you are and what you do? So my name is, I'm known by J.D. Williams. Uh, I'm an ex-police officer, entrepreneur right now. Um, I'm the guy who posted the viral George Floyd video. And yeah. <laughs> There's so It's a lot. It's a lot. It's it's a lot. Um, so can you tell me first, I want to unpack all of this. Why did you become a police officer? Okay, so the the reason I became a police officer was because you know, growing up in a poverty-stricken neighborhood, we didn't have a good relationship with the police officers. The only police officer that I had a good relationship with was the SRO, which was the school resource officer. So the cops that they put inside the high schools and stuff like that. You know, he was like a father figure. He came to the basketball games, the football games and stuff like that. So I just knew, you know, growing up in it, I seen that disconnect between law enforcement and the black community. And I was like, you know, maybe I can start to change that or figure out what's going on in there. You know, so that's the reason I became a police officer. And so you're working as a police officer. You obviously saw the George Floyd video um, that affected you. What made you actually decide to like record a TikTok about it? I, so a little backstory about the TikTok. I was on TikTok a month before. And within that short month, I had grew like 50,000 followers. So I had the platform. And when I seen the George Floyd video, I was sitting at work. I was in a patrol car. And it just bothered me like everything else bothers me that comes on the news and it and it's dealing with us being treated unfairly. And but it bothered me in a different way now because I was actually in the uniform, you know, before when I seen stuff, I only been a, I only been an officer for a year. So before when I seen, you know, saw stuff like that, it bothered me just from it bothered me one way when I was in a uniform. It bothered me that same way. But then it bothered me like, like, what are you doing? Like you want you want to change, you want to help, but are you actually, you know, doing the change, doing the help, you know, stuff like that? So what I did was not even thinking, I was just so frustrated. I just turned the camera on record and I just said what I needed to say. So I from what I've heard, you know, just with all the debate about defund the police, people have very different opinions about um, police officers in general, and they're the people who are separating the good cops versus the bad cops. Um, as a police officer, first of all, watching videos like that, um, you hear people, you know, defending the cops. They're fearing, you know, they have to get back to their their families. They fear their lives. Um, do you think that these are valid considerations for people to um, to be making when watching these videos? Um, definitely not. I mean. You got to look at a video and take the video for what it is off off of the facts. And what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. 
So we taking the Joe Floyd video. Y'all outnumbered the guy, right? So all the police officers there, y'all control the scene. He's not in control. He's in handcuffs. He, you know, he's on his stomach and stuff like that. So now it, it's different when, just like any anybody else out in the street, if you was to pull a gun on a person who has a gun, right? And you was to, I guess, aim to take their life or whatever. Then that thought comes in where they want to make it back home and you want to make it back home. So which one of you guys are going back home? But when you in the wrong, like 95, 98, 99% of these videos, you just in a, you, you just in the wrong, you wrong. Like there's no, there's no rebuttal for you killing somebody unjustly at all. Have you ever had experience, um, you know, as a police officer, were you ever in situations where you feared for your life and felt like, you know, I might actually have to like shoot or this is going to be like, like you were saying them or me. Thank, thank God I haven't been in a position like that. Um, I've dealt with some shaky positions, some, some real crazy things, but I'm a good talker. So like my sergeant used to always say, like Williams, you could talk somebody in handcuffs. Like you, you don't have to use no force at all. But it's it's not only just I'm a good talker. It's that connection that I try to build with the person, no matter if you did the wrong or not. I had people that I arrested that told me like, "You a good one, but you're just doing your job, right?" You know, so they're not looking at me from that. Like I'm not coming there trying to act all like macho with the badge and. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know, I'm gonna treat you with respect, even though you committed the crime. I'm gonna treat. I'm gonna still treat you with respect. You know, so I never had to deal with um with uh any of that. And I've heard other officers talk about how they can't live in the city because you know other people like people that they arrested got it out for them and stuff. I never dealt with that. And I and I arrested some people and I you know I just never and it's the type of person that you are and I just never had to deal with it. So do you think that you um, being vocal about these issues of, you know, creating your TikTok videos, speaking out against, you know, some people say police brutality, some people just call it policing. Uh, do you feel like that is what led to your termination? Definitely. I felt, I felt like I was entirely too vocal. And then my platforms grew entirely too fast, entirely too much. And I felt like that. I felt like they felt. Like, yeah, we won't be able to, you know, stop this guy from talking. So I definitely wholeheartedly believe that I was terminated for just being vocal in general. As a black man who obviously went through the training to become a police officer and you were there, uh, you know, I believe for the right reasons. How does that make you feel? I, if, I, I mean, I was sad and. I felt like betrayed a little bit because I worked so hard to put so much work in to get out here and actually push forward for like something for real, like change and stuff. And you go to the extent of terminating my employment because I spoke out on something. You didn't try to suspend me. You didn't try to write me up. You didn't try to do anything. You just straight from the door. You just went to terminate my employment. So I, I was definitely upset. And in your opinion, with your training, um, when you're seeing these videos and, you know, I'm saying videos just because there have been just too many of them at this point. And obviously, I know for you, a lot of this started with George Floyd. When you see a video like George Floyd, uh, what is the proper response? Like, how should a police officer be conducting themselves in that moment if they are afraid 
if so as far as like put myself for the so you talking about the cops that one when you come to the scene we are to start off we are swore into protect and serve first protect that's what we are sworn to do right so we are the first we are the first first responders that's on the scene so that's the mindset that every police officer need to have right if you inflict harm on someone at a scene the moment that they that they start to hurt it is your job as a first responder being the first one on the scene to take care of whatever whether you shot them whether they're bleeding profusely no matter what it is we have tools on our belt for that for like even if like even if you're dealing with let's just say somebody who just murdered somebody right and then and then they come out and you engage in fire with them and you end up shooting them now it's your job to make sure the gun is away from them and then render aid to them because the the idea was not to kill them right it's the idea is to bring them to justice so i feel like all officers when you approach that scene you need to have that mindset okay i'm a first responder first that's your job i'm a first responder first it's so good to hear you say that um and you know with you being just vocal and using your voice and i know you've been on like all kinds that you're on the tamron hall show i think and then they had you on the breakfast club um have you had you know either police officers that you've worked with or other police officers kind of be like what are you doing bro like why are you making us look bad um no because once see the way the timeline worked first off <laughs> they can get out my face if they did but people people know me as just being so vocal right so it's lines that they try not to cross with me per se but the way the timeline worked uh once the george floyd video came out after the george floyd video came out i was still on live patrol i did the tamra hall show during that time the tamra hall show came out and they brought me upstairs and that's when they put me on light duty. So they took like my badge and my gun and they put me in like the records division until they had some investigation going on. So once I came back from the light duty, which was like a month and a half, two months later, that's when they decided, that's when they decided to, to fire me. So literally after that point, it was everything like the gloves are off. Like, you don't tell me what to do. You don't like, I'm not under any type of thing where I can't speak and say this and say that. So, you know, I'm going I'm, I'm to speak my truth. So, but I, I haven't had a, I haven't had a, a bad response from officers. All the response, all the responses I got from the officers has all been great. And so it's interesting that you say that because I have another friend who's an officer um, who I had a private conversation with and he was kind of like, listen, you know, I do believe Black Lives Matter and I have seen a lot of corruption, but I'm afraid to speak out. You know, I don't know how my coworkers are going to respond. I don't know how my job's going to respond. And you got fired. So I think that makes uh, perfect sense. But when you have like these consequences, like losing your job for speaking out, it doesn't create an environment where officers even feel comfortable to be like, hey, what are we doing? We got to really, you know, ask ourselves some hard questions. Definitely. It's a lot of... uh it's a lot of officers I know, other black officers that want to speak out. They have the same view and points that I have, and they can because now they're just like, well, if they did that to Williams, then we definitely don't want to, you know, we don't don't want to lose our job. So now my whole mission, you know, with letting everybody know and sharing some light on what on, on, on my situation, my whole mission is to 
you know, push them in the corner so the other officers can be allowed to start talking and stuff like that or whatnot. So, I mean, a lot of officers are scared and I didn't think it was going to go this way when I first, you know, put up the video. But if you ask me if I would have did it again and did it the same way, I would have did it the exact same way, the exact same way. Have you um, it personally experienced or seen officers that you feel like have taken advantage of the badge? Definitely not. Not. I have granted only been on a year, but I have not seen it around me at all. That, that makes me feel a little bit better to hear you say that. Um, what do you think about the movement to defund the police? Do you think that that's actually something that's going to make is it, it like logical? Is it like, yeah. So it's definitely not logical. I'll give you a reason why it's not logical. Because the police department answers to the city and the city council, right? So the chief, he's the boss over the police officers, but he has to answer to the city, right? So if you defund the police, you basically making this push towards the city, the city defund them. So there's no more police officers, but you have the sheriff. The sheriff is people chosen, you know, they're chosen by the community. That's why you have some sheriffs in there that have been there and they could be the most, you know, the most crooked sheriff, but they've been there like 30, 35 years is because they don't have a term, right? They really have, they, they have certain guidelines, but the people, you know, choose them. That's why you can see some sheriffs on TV and, and they just say what they want to say, because that's what they can do. So if you defund the police, okay, now the police is defunded. Those police officers are only going to go to the sheriff department. How do we solve the issue? That doesn't solve the issue. So the sheriff, because there's, there's no defunding the sheriff department. You get what I'm saying? So there's no defunding the sheriff and his deputies and stuff like that. There's no defunding them. So you can defund the police, but after they lose their job there, they're only going to go into other law enforcement positions inside the jails where if you have a family member that gets into a life of crime and then they got to deal with that crooked person in there or over to the sheriff department. And so you defund the police. Now the sheriff department main job is to protect the streets. It's not, see, people think that once we defund the police, after defunding the police is going to be like regular civilian officers. That, that's, that's, that's not going to happen. They're not going to, no city is going to allow that. The sheriff department is going to step up and then the police officer is going to go over to the sheriff department and you're going to still have the same issue. So being, so do I think that defunding the police is logical? I think it can happen, but we have to understand that after it happens, what happens next? They go over to the next department which is the sheriff, and then the sheriff moves up to, because when you look at it in reality, the police department, we did the entire city, right? The sheriff, they do the county, so they do like parts and, you know, bits and pieces. Uh, like our call load was much more than their call load, but if you defund them, then they're just going to take the job you know, pick up the slack. So, and, and then the other officers, like, like, like I said, are going to move over. And then what do we have? We got the same issue. So it's, it can happen, but just understand what happens afterwards. It's interesting hearing you describe that. Cause I don't think I made a like distinction between a sheriff and a police officer. 
I kind of always thought of them as um, one of the same. Yeah. So, yeah. Go ahead. Um, so if, you know, defunding the police, it could actually have, you know, consequences that aren't necessarily making things better. What do you think is a viable solution? Is it more training? Is it more awareness? What needs to happen? I honestly could not tell you what is a more valuable solution right now because it's not, I'm going to tell you, it's not the training. I went through the same training, right? The training is fine. It's the person that's being trained. If that person grew up a racist in that type of neighborhood and didn't like black people and had it out for, that's what you're going to get no matter what type of training, you know, you, you get from a person. It's like you take, Say 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 a person right haven't showered for a whole year, but he want to put new clothes on. What is that doing? The clothes are good, but it's that person internally under that you know under that wardrobe that's the real issue. So at the end of the day, it's like I tell people all the time: it's not the training. I went through the training. I literally went through the training. And inside the George Floyd video, I was picking on parts about the training on like how we were trained. Showing you that we were trained good, but it's the person. You can't change what that person, how that person was, you know, has grown up, what type of uh life that person has had, what type of interaction that person has had with a black person or whatever the case is. So, you know, it's not the training, it's definitely a person. Because you can get a police department and have a bunch of me's or a bunch of another another good officers, and then we're good under the same training, you know, because our mindset is just a little bit different, but it's the person, it's not the trainer. That makes sense. Um, and, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in storytelling. That's why I have a podcast. I think it's important to be able to like humanize people. And I really do think it's a heart issue to your point. Um, and then the question just becomes, how do you change a heart? How do you get people to see black people as like humans and to not be afraid of us when they see us? Um, I feel like I'm one of the least scary people I know. You're wearing a Hogwarts hat, which I love. Um, I am um, Slytherin, Team Slytherin, but, you know. <laughs> um, and, you know, I even just thinking about, like, my dad and my brothers, they're big black men, but they are, like, the sweetest teddy bears. But people still lock their doors or, you know, get nervous when they walk in the room. And it's not because they know those people. It's because they have a reference for someone who looks like them. And they've exactly. been taught that people are scary that look like exactly. that. Exactly. That is very, very true. It's like you ask, how do we change the heart? I don't even think changing the hearts. It's only possible to a certain extent, right? If a person feels like that, you like just think about something that you're passionate about. Now think about how easy it is that a person can come in and change that. They can't. So at the end of the day, that's how it is for them. You've been raised in a household that teaches you that black people are threats. You was raised in a household that teaches you that, you know, white people are superior and the way that we live is just not good and we're animals. So you were raised like that. Changing the it's, heart is, you know, I don't know. It's uh, hard to hear you say that because I think the optimistic piece of me is like every heart can be changed, but I know the very real piece of me 
is that there are pieces of my personality and what I believe and things that I have no matter what uh, literally tattooed on my arm because I believe in conviction. And if I'm convicted in something, it, it come hell or high water, you're not going to change my mind. Um, See, that's that's good that you said that, right? Because before, when, when I first became a police officer, I was wondering, I was wondering why I was seeing so many young officers like me and they were so jaded, you know, dealing with the same stuff over and over. And I came in the door crazy optimistic. Like, I know it's at the end of the day, anybody can do, you know, nothing is impossible, at the, right? Nothing is impossible. But now when you start, like, it's kind of harder. It, it makes it harder and harder to believe every time we wake up and the same thing is going on. And it's like, how? Like, how do you not, have you not seen the other videos that did millions and millions of views and how these people were reprimanded and how these, and you still go out and I, I like, I don't get it. Cause now I'm at a point where I'm just like lost, right? It's tiring now just getting up and seeing the same news story over and over and over. And the optimistic side of me is like, Oh, once they get this video out there, everybody's going to be able to, you know, see what it is, but you still got, it's like people that still voting for Donald Trump. We have proven so many lies that this man has said over and over and over. And I swear to God, they still say we still want to vote for Trump. That's what the, that's inside them. That's inside them. That's that's what they wholeheartedly believe. That's how you that's how they was raised, period point blank, to to align with the type of rhetoric that he pushes out. You can't change that. You can't change that because as, as much niceness or as much you know, as much humility you can bring to a situation, you're not going to be able to change. Like I seen this lady post up. She said Joe Biden lied about something and she was like, yep, that's why I'm voting for Trump. And I just wanted to write under the post like he lies all the time. He lies all the time. What? Like, but that's in their mind. You cannot like you literally you can't change that. That's um very interesting and I think we can all probably be guilty of that in some ways and you know I've even been trying to do a better job of watching these like debates and these political conversations with an open mind because it's so easy for me to be like I've already formed an opinion about you so I'm gonna judge the messenger not the message I don't care what you say Um, (laughs) and the truth is sometimes like politicians or people I support say things I don't agree with. And sometimes politicians that I don't say support say things that I think are good. And even being able to step outside my ego and be like, you're not my candidate, but that's a good point. Or you are my candidate, exactly. but that doesn't make sense. But the you, I'm telling you this, this is, this is just what we see all the time. If you are on the Republican side, 99% of the time, you will not be able to step outside your comfort zone and be like, that's a good point they're saying over there. It's like, how can you, like, how could you not see it? Like, for them to dog President Obama the way that they did and not see any good that was going on, everybody makes mistakes, right? But for you to be like, it was a guy at a, a rally and a Trump rally, a news reporter, and he went up to this lady and he said a quote. That Donald Trump said, and they she he told the lady that uh Obama said it, and she was like, That's disgusting. That's why we don't need him in here for another four years. And then he told her at the end, like, that's Donald Trump. 
And she was like, oh, well, maybe, you know. And I'm like, how, what? Well, you, you can't, what? What? I, I don't know. I don't know. But like I said, people are, what they're passionate about is like their livelihood, you know. It's going to be hard to change something like that. So I 100% agree with you. Um, I want to switch topics for a second. So I'm writing a book called Therapy is Not Just for White People. And it really just is the idea that as Black people, we have to take care of our mental health. Um, it's important for us to, you know, pay attention to these like racial traumas that are continuously affecting us. And, the and you know, they affect, affect the way they show up. They affect our ability to be present with our families. They affect our ability to, um, you know, be successful and to focus on whatever passion it is that we have inside. They they just affect us in so many different ways. And a lot of times we're not really aware of those things. As a black man in America, as someone who was a police officer who has, you know, let go of his position because of his beliefs, I can only imagine, I don't want to project, but I can only imagine that a lot of this has taken a toll on your mental health. What are you doing to like take care of yourself? I'm going to be very very honest and transparent, right? I was raised really open. So we had every week, one day of the week, we would have talks, me, my mom, my two sisters, my dad, all of us would cry. Everybody would cry in these talks, right? From a really, really young age. I think that's really a strong point of mind to be able to I see things just a tad bit, just a tad bit different. Um, I wholeheartedly believe your mental health is everything, 100%, right? Certain things just don't bother me. I have a deep, deep spirituality. And I feel like if the way that it's going, it was the decree from God, period. I you You can't argue with God. I don't ever try to do it. You know, it's never... Why did I lose my job? It's never, why is this going this way? It's always, God, make me content with this situation that I'm going through. Even when I was going to the interviews at the police station for like the, the videos and stuff like that, I like I, like I would sit in the office and, and ask God, like, keep me content with the situation. Because I'm only human. I'm weak in a sense because I'm only human, right? So keep me content with these situations. Keep me content with whatever decision, even before they came back with the termination decision. And I sat up there for an hour, waited for them. I asked God, keep me content with what's going on, right? I prayed on it over and over and over for it not to go the way that it went and allow them to see some type of, allow them to have a change of heart, right? To see some type of thing, to be able to utilize me in a beneficial way, things like that. You know, it could have just, they 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 could have done so much and i prayed on that all the time right going through the situation when the situation finally came out and it was you was terminated yeah i prayed on it i'm i'm not going to say my prayer didn't work it wasn't meant for me so that's how i feel about everything whatever it happens and and it can be the it can be the littlest things right i think about things like this if i go and start my car up right now right cuz i want to run to the store and my car doesn't start up, right? And something is wrong with the car. Y'all can cry about, oh, gosh, I got to get this fixed. But then I think about it like, what if I would have got on that road and got into a car accident? 
God saved me from something. This was meant. That's how I always think. And I think that's another thing that kind of pushed them in the corner. I think that made them afraid that I was so, you know, so steady and stable on what I, you know, on spirituality and what I stood on. Because they asked me at one point during one of my investigations for the social media, they were like, you said on Tamron Hall, whatever God got for you, God got for you. What do you mean by that? And I, I just really wanted to be like, you want me to really explain that to you? Like, you don't understand what I exactly what I meant by it. So they, I mean, they could have took it as being boastful, whatever the case is, but that's just how deep my spirituality is. So at the end of the day, back to your question, a lot of stuff don't bother me. You know how some people, they can harbor a lot of things in and, and you can be like, well, they harboring a lot of that in and it's going to come out. So it just don't because my spirituality is, is, you know, is deep. But also even when I'm feeling great, I still like I'm in the midst of like I want to find you know a therapist just to even talk right just to have that talking piece or whatever right I don't like I like you know I'm only human I don't know it all and I'm not claiming to be you know shielded from a lot of things but when it comes to things like that my mental just thinks on a different level you know so I don't let a lot of stuff wrap me up and you know kind of like tear me down so yeah. You said a lot of awesome things. Uh, number one, the fact that you're that you were given permission as a black boy to cry is huge, um, and I I think that that's awesome that your parents created that space for you, where a lot of black men are taught to like black people in general. You know, therapy's weak or bottle it up, emotions are weak, and it sounds like uh, your confidence in being able to express yourself honestly has like really helped you remain free mentally. Um, and I think a lot of people can learn from that because physically, you know, we don't always have control over, you know, the laws or, you know, what an officer is saying or doing or how people are perceiving you, or, but we can control what's going on in our minds. Like that's the one thing we always have control over. So I commend you uh, for being able to do that. And what you did coming out um, and, you know, speaking your truth, and not letting the fear of what could happen stop you, um, that's commendable and it, it takes courage. So thank you uh, for using your voice in that way. Thank you. Yeah, like I, I definitely, I don't know. I, I just feel like, like even everything that's going on right now, right? I just feel like everything is, a, is the decree, right? Is what God wanted. So all this stuff is going on and so many people are like messaging me and this and that, this and that. And I'm just like, this was just already meant to happen. Right. And I just wanted to be, I wanted to be ready and content to move through this situation. Right. Even I even in a sense of praying, I even prayed for the police department. I was like the steps that I take after this, like asking God, I'm like the steps that I take after this, I want it to be with no malice. Take all the malice out of my heart. I don't want no malice at all. I just want them to, if it was wrong, then it was wrong and you got to an answer to it. If it was right and you found some type of loophole in your system, then it was right. I take it on the chin. That's the way that I think. I'm not about to be upset about, oh, no, they did this to me and it was wrong. Even though they said it was right. If it was, if it comes out that it was right, I'm taking that from God and it's going to be like, all right, look, boom. It was right. That's the loophole that they found. 
I'm content with whatever you got for me. So let me just keep moving on. But as far as the stuff that's going to happen afterwards, that we in a you know in a in a process of doing, I just want it to be done with no malice on my part. I like I don't want anything to be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get them back. I'm you know because a lot because a lot of people think like that. A lot of people message me like, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do that, you got to you know. And I don't want to move off malice at all. So. So, you know, a lot of right now, black people specifically are afraid of police. And I don't know if you heard, I live here in Pasadena, I think um, not too far from here in LA, right? I think it was in LA, uh, there was a black man who went up to uh, two cops and like shot them, like shot the cops. Um, mm -hmm. what, what words or advice do you have for the black community um, just in terms of like how we should be thinking about police officers. And I know you can't speak for everybody, but like, how should we be interacting? Like, do you have any maybe like words of wisdom or encouragement for uh, the black listeners? Um, what I would, what I would want to say is our life in what we have has already been smeared already. Right. We don't want to smear it even, even, you know, much more, even though at the end of the day, that's really not going to matter. The shooting of the police officer, the shooting of the police officers, when I seen it, I was like, when I saw it, I was like, wow, that's wild. That's wild. Now, if you're going to stand on right and forbid the wrong, you're going to forbid the wrong all over. That was wrong. We know that was wrong, right? People have families. We know that was wrong. I understand that we have families too. And then they do stuff to us, but everybody is not held accountable. Like what if somebody would have, what if it was in, in perspective, right? What if I was sitting in a car and you ran up and shot me and then it comes out the guy who spoke on George Floyd. And now you have everybody who spoke about that's what they get. When it would have came out to be me, it would have been like, dang, that was a good one. You never know. Right. So you don't, you don't force your hand in that way. Um, but then again, there's no buts to that, but also I just don't understand the the trauma or whatever that person was going through, you know, because a lot was going on on that person's mental and things like that. And that doesn't justify at all what he did, because at the end of the day, me wholeheartedly, I felt like it was wrong. Yeah, I um, I agree with you. And I think it's so hard, even like being black like sometimes to call out another black person and be like, hey, bro, I don't think that's the way. And I can only imagine how hard it is on the other side for police officers who are, you know, seeing these cops, you know, do the wrong thing, how it does take courage on both sides to come out and be like, you know, this isn't cool. Uh, in general, what do you think about like the Blue Lives Matter movement? I feel like higher up. So I felt like the Blue Lives Matter was just created to, you know, to, counteract the black lives matter you know every person like for them to put the blue lives matter into motion right what was the reason behind that we put the black lives matter into motion because we are the targets we're the targets we put it into motion because we need you to understand so we can tell you black lives do matter right so at the end of the day what was your reason for putting in the Blue Lives Matter? And then why would you do it after the Black Lives Matter? You know, it's just like a smack in the face to us. Like, 
like I like I, I seen a uh, meme on. I guess it was a bunch of boats they were uh, traveling, and they were all had like Donald Trump flags or something like that. And the boat started to sink. It just had recently happened. The boat started to sink, and somebody put up a meme and said, "What if I said all boats matter?" When you was asking me, "Yo, come save my boat," and I'm like, "Nah, bro, all boats matter. We got to worry about all the boats right now." Like, it's like at the end of the day, your boat is not the one that's sinking. Our boat is. Our boat is, right? Your boat is afloat. You got a yacht that's built on a system. You feel what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, we're the ones in pain. We're the ones hurting. We're the ones constantly losing people over and over and over. Your reason for you saying blue lives matter is what? You know? That's so real. Um, And I want to ask you too, you know, I know you, you lost your job with the um, police force, what's next for you? How do you plan to like use your gifts and skills in the world? So, um, right. Well, right now I'm just getting my message out there. I'm going to start doing a bunch of uh, like virtual classes with how to interact with law enforcement uh, with our community and things like that. Uh, Tomorrow I'm flying to the city that I was raised in and we're doing this open forum for the city to try to bring back mentor programs for the youth and things like that. Things that I feel, you know, wholeheartedly strong about because when I were grown, when I was growing up in that city, if you didn't have the basketball gym to go to and after school program, the boys and girls club and things like that, you went out and you did crazy things, you know? So it's every, every chance that you get to, to save a younger person Cause that's the generation. That's the future. Every chance you get to save a younger, a younger person uh, from any type of hardships in, in that way, you know, like we're going to try to push forth, uh, push forth to that. Like I was telling my boy, I'm like, some of these kids go home and they deal with uh, families that have like a heavy addiction in the house to like drugs. Right. And that school is school is a relief for them, you know? So if we could put something in place where we can do a mentor program where we can have them, Go somewhere after school and enjoy yourself, you know, have fun. That's not you you're still learning, but you're not learning as rigorous like you are in school and doing like a big brother program. You know, just guiding these younger guys out there because a lot of them need guidance, you know, and that's going to in in return shape our community as a whole. So. I'm I'm so glad that you're doing that. Um, and again, thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for using your voice. Uh, if people do want to maybe like get in touch with you or to support you, uh, how can they find you? Uh, every social media is Wolfgang Jock. So it's at Wolfgang Jock, W-O-L-F-G-A-N-G-J-O-C. And awesome. you can reach me up there and yep. Awesome. Well, you know, I'm obviously going to be pushing your message. Um, I full heartedly support what you're doing. If there's any way that I can kind of like show up or help or, you know, if you need anything, um, let me know. I'm an attorney, not really practicing anymore, uh, but I do have a lot of friends that are still practicing. Uh, So anyway, I actually have a group of friends who are doing a lot of legal work to help people get out of jail who are put in jail because of protesting. Um, so, you know, if you need anybody for any type of resource, please let me know. Um, thank you so much for having this conversation and to all of our listeners. Thank you for listening.
Thank you for listening. That concludes another episode of Sworn Testimonies, a podcast where I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I'm so excited to let you guys know that I am officially an Audible creator. It's amazing. What does this mean? It means you can sign up for Audible and get a free 30-day trial and a free book. I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely love ebooks. I've been obsessed with Audible recently. All you have to do is click the link in the description of this podcast episode. Again, you will get a free 30-day Audible trial and a free book. You have nothing to lose. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Just be honest. 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 Just be honest.